0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and
1: more. Well, Alan Kolov, ABC Finance commentator, is uh, with us once more on the program. Alan, good evening to you. Welcome back to Nightlife. Thanks, Philip. Good evening. Great to have you with us too. If you'd like to give Alan a call, 1-300-800-222 is the number. Uh, Love to have a chat with you about this piece you've written about the lack of choice in Australian politics. The, the fact that the government and the opposition are uh, on economic and indeed on many other matters are in seemingly in furious agreement on pretty much everything. We had this uh, kind of crazy debate in recent weeks about border control, the arrival of a small boat with forty or so people in northern Australia led uh, the opposition to furiously attack the government. But in reality, their policies are pretty much the same. Their rhetoric, isn't I I get that. But that seems to be the case in so many things, Alan.
2: Yes, well, uh, I sort of um, started this piece by thinking oh, I wouldn't mind writing about asylum seekers and what's going on with immigration around the world, really, and, and looking at Australia. and uh, But also, um, you know, Peter Dutton, as you said, came out and said there'd been a catastrophic failure in the system because the boatload of people arrived in the WA hmm. coast. And I read the um, international papers quite a lot. And, you know, uh, 20,000 migrants uh, have arrived in Europe so far this year. And 10,000 people are walking across the southern border of the United States um, uh, every day, you know. So 40 people arriving is not, you'd have to say, catastrophic. Uh, but but in any case, those 40 people were immediately shipped off to Nauru. Um. And the uh, the business of offshore processing of asylum seekers is, is bipartisan policy, as is the policy of um, uh, turn back, turning back boats mm. when that when they can be found. Um, and you know, and I, I must say that this has been a tremendously successful policy because Australia doesn't not get many of these. Uh, migrants. Well, not uh, by boat. You...
1: Not by boat. We get a we get a considerable number by air, of course, exactly, which is the obvious right. way but, to reach but, Australia. Given it's just it's given how far away it is.
2: I know, but the beautiful thing about that is that we
1: don't know about it. <laughs> No, it's no, always we, been we the, about the It's always we, been the crazy part of this debate, isn't it? That uh, we have, that's these, exactly uh, we right. have but, this exactly huge... right. But look,
2: but even the people arriving by plane into Australia are nowhere near the numbers arriving into Europe and, mm. and in Italy, and um, and in particular the southern uh, southern states of uh, the United States. I mean, you know, the, those the numbers there are obviously in the
1: thousands, mm. tens of thousands, tens of thousands. Yeah, but, you, but you're right. There is no there is no substantive difference. There was once, but there is no longer any substantive difference between both sides That's right. on their policy now? Uh,
2: immigration and asylum seekers uh, is bipartisan. And then I started looking at other policies and thought, well, uh, uh, you know, what about the uh, negative gearing? I mean, Dutton also uh, came out and attacked the Labor government over, um, he, he claimed, preparing to end negative gearing, mm. which it's not preparing to do. Um, it was because the Greens wanted to do that and also the former New South Wales Liberal Premier, Dominic Perrottet, came out and said he was in favour of reform and so Dutton claimed that Labor wants to, but that's not true. Um, and so the, the the truth is that uh, housing policy in general, uh, including negative gearing and capital gains tax, is bipartisan. Um, and so both parties are focusing entirely on um, supply. Hmm. and not, uh, not on the tax distortions that lead to an increase in demand.
1: Yes, it's, fun. it's uh, interesting. I was talking to someone the other day who works in politics, and I, uh, you know, we were discussing the lack of engagement and so on. And I said, well, you know, it's partly because I think on a lot of big issues which people genuinely are concerned about and would genuinely like the government to do something about, uh, they're seemingly the political parties don't have anything to say. Uh, about them, I said, you know, and cl- housing policy is, is 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 an example. I mean, the the lack of opportunity for a whole generation of young people to get access to to housing because of the you know the the equation with what you earn and what you have to pay to get one has changed so considerably since you know a generation or two ago. That is an issue which worries many Australians. Uh, no question about it. When you ask them about it and yet neither side of politics really has anything to say about the issue do they
2: well i i would have to disagree in the sense that they they say plenty but they don't do anything i mean there's, well, that's, there's what I, that's what i mean when yeah. i say I mean, they, yeah. they don't have anything know, to, to offer
1: to offer yeah
2: yeah, yeah that's right so the, you know there's plenty of talk about it there's no actual uh, you know no actual policies that do that are designed to do something about it mm. um and and you know one thing i've I went on about in the quarterly essay on the subject that I wrote um, is that they talk about it, but they, and they sometimes have policies, you know, like the, the Albanese government's got a few policies, including, um, uh, including uh, uh, some, you know, building of uh, paying for actual houses and so on, but the, but the, they don't have an aim in their policy. What are they trying to achieve? Hmm. I mean, it seems to me that the policy, the only um, thing that they should be aiming at is the reduction of housing as a proportion of incomes? The ratio of incomes to housing has has doubled. You know, so we've we've got a problem with the with the cost of a house. I was just thinking about my kids the other day. I mean, um, they're they're really stretched. I mean, they're quite well paid, hmm. and they went to university. Um, my my son in law's got an MBA. You know, he studied really hard. He's quite well paid. Um, they bought an ordinary house, and they're struggling right mm. it's just it's just crazy and then i thought well the thing is that um, 20 uh, 25 years ago uh, if if the uh, housing if housing prices had continued to increase at the same rate as they as they had for the for the prior 25 years and then after um, 2000 they started increasing at 6% per annum um, then the house that they bought would have been half the price So our kids, my kids, are paying twice the price for the house that they should be paying, Hmm. and and I think that's especially true in Sydney. Um, You know, it's it's true in uh, certainly true in Melbourne. Yeah, well, it's
1: true. I think in most of them, in most of the big cities. I mean, Brisbane, Sydney. um, That's right. Melbourne, uh, Adelaide, perhaps less so Perth, but. but, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly the case. This is an issue, though, which worries many people. If you ask them, and if we've discussed it many times on the, on the program and, you know, survey after survey would tell you, people are, people are worried about this. They're worried about the future their kids will, will inherit. They're, you know, they're concerned that without, um, without a lot of parental money, kids won't have an opportunity. In other words, we're, we are wreaking great generational change in Australia and neither political party has got anything to offer.
2: That's right, and back to bipartisan policies. They're they're completely bipartisan on defence. I mean, they're both on about AUKUS, which mm. you know. I mean, I'm not an expert on defence, but I know that there are very powerful arguments against the AUKUS policy, the AUKUS thing, and because it's, it's expensive, and you know, we're mm. not going to get anything for ten for decades, and all this. Um, you know, the stage three tax cuts were bipartisan policy because the the labour party said that they would do them or they were the coalition's idea um and then the labour party changed them at the last minute um and then for five minutes they they were (laughs) they were arguing about it and then dutton jumped aboard and now he's on um he's on side um so look maybe your listeners philip can think of uh things about which they disagree fundamentally as opposed to appearing to disagree and saying they disagree, Um, but I'm having trouble thinking of something Mm. where there's a a fundamental disagreement. I'd I'd love to hear somebody ring in and tell us
1: what what, what I'm missing. What what, what I'm missing. Off the top of my head, I'm struggling myself. Let's go to some calls. Don. G'day, Don.
3: Yes, hi. Thanks, for taking my call. Alan. Pleasure. Yes, uh, I'm just interested in why no one seems to challenge either of the major parties on the statistics from ABS on on the uh, national debt because when the coalition came into power in in 2013 the national debt was 257 billion by 2018 when morrison was the treasurer and things were supposed to be going smooth it was it was more than double that it was 531 billion now soon after that they bring in stage three tax cuts we need tax to pay for things that the country needs and that seems to be their only policy. Is uh, you know we, we'll give you a tax cut because it's a, it's a, it's a given. Everyone goes for uh, you know what's in it for me.
1: Hmm. What do you? Was, going uh, on? Well,
2: I was interested to look at the um, the the paper on education the other day that came out. I can't remember what it's called uh, about how you know we need more people getting degrees, and that's going to be really expensive. Yes, and. And the NDIS is really expensive, and it's blowing out. Um, but that's and that's they're having trouble controlling that. And what are they going? What are they doing? They're they're cutting taxes.
3: <laughs> Goodness me!
2: Uh, no, I couldn't agree more, Don.
3: Yeah, I don't know what they think we're going to run the country on, especially with defence, NDIS, and uh, aged care, all of those things.
1: We're running it on bracket creep, Don. That's what it's called. <laughs> Thanks, mate, bye bye. See you. One three hundred eight hundred triple two. Paul, oh, from the Blue Mountains. Lines free if you want to grab one. Alan Cole is our guest. G'day, Paul. Hi, how you doing? Pretty good.
4: A couple, of, a couple of questions, maybe a double if you've got time. First question: Why does the um, reply to the budget not be delivered? Well, why is it not delivered by the Shadow Treasurer? Everybody else does uh, shadow this, minister for that, shadow this, minister for that, and so on. But the budget reply speech is delivered by the Leader of the Opposition, not by the shadow Treasurer. And the other question is why do we need a, a Treasurer and a Finance Minister at all? Why both?
1: Alan, why you go? Uh, well, um, the the, <laughs>
2: the budget reply speech is the important one. And the Leader of the Opposition elbows the Treasurer out of the way and says, well, I'm doing this, mate. Um, because it's a big deal and it's uh, prominent, so you know the, the, the opposition. It's really needs just a political. Uh... It's a
1: political speech, isn't it? And it's a major political speech, and so therefore the opposition yeah. uh, leader, the opposition, what's the opposition? Like, yeah.
2: yeah, that's right. The opposition leader needs uh, all the um, all the publicity he can get or she can get. Um, As for needing a Treasurer and Finance Minister, yeah, look, it's an interesting question. Um, We have a Department of Finance uh, which controls the money. Um, Treasury is an economic um, ministry mainly and it sort of runs the economy and finance kind of runs the uh, government. Um, So the, the Finance Department is... Is kind of misnamed in
5: some ways. Has it
1: always been the case, Alan? I'm trying to think back. I'm trying to think back in the early, some, you know, when I started reporting on these things, I'm not sure there were finance ministers. There were treasurers, I know that. Has there always been a finance minister?
2: Well, I was going to say that the finance department is kind of misnamed. The finance minister is misnamed because it should be really administration, administrative services. That's right. Services. Uh, and I think, you know, what we had I in the past. I think that's what it
1: was called, actually, yeah, yeah.
2: That's right. So what we had in the past was the Department of Administration or whatever, and they, they ran the government. Um, and so the finance minister is the shareholder of uh, most of the, um, you know, the government enterprises. Hmm the the single shareholder the actual in the per, the person of the finance minister is the shareholder it isn't the government it's the actual minister um, and the treasurer is is more a um, you know more an economic uh, uh, an economic role and so is the treasury
1: department I think that's the answer to it Paul thank you one three hundred eight hundred triple two Kevin from Balambi. All the gold bars under your bed, Kev, have proven to be a good investment, have they?
6: <laughs> how are you, Phil? Not bad, Kev. <laughs> yeah, um, how are you, Alan? Um, just Kevin. recently, it's been for quite a while, uh, gold's about $2,236. That's for an ounce, isn't it? An ounce of gold. And,
2: and how many cents, Kevin? I'm kidding.
6: It's oh. all right. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I don't know. But that's for an ounce of gold, isn't it, Alan? Yeah. 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 I heard there several years ago to get an ounce of gold on an average, they've got to get a ton of earth to get an average of one ounce of gold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's about yeah it. Probably. probably. What, what's your point here, Kev?
6: Yeah. But um, it's gone up um, oh, over the last. What 12, twelve, eighteen months? It used to be, say, a couple of years ago. It used to be four hundred odd dollars, four hundred yeah. odd dollars an ounce. Now it's two thousand yep. two hundred and thirty-six, I think. Yeah. How well, it's a it's a, gone?
2: it's a it's a long time since it's been four hundred. In fact, it was four hundred dollars in two
6: thousand and four. So
2: long twenty
6: years than. ago. Hmm. There you are. Yeah, but how comes it's gone up so much, Alan?
2: Uh, oh, well, it's, a, it's a, just a traded commodity, and um, par, part of the reason is central banks buy it uh, because they think it's a good way to store foreign exchange that isn't U.S. dollars. Um, and uh, uh, there's a lot of demand f- for jewellery and gold in India and China, um, so that's a big part of the reason it's gone up, and also because people have been losing faith in uh, currencies and in money. Um, because uh, they, don't, they don't think central banks have been doing a very good job in, in um, you know, preserving the value of the currency, and so a lot of people buy gold in order to um, in order to get out of the system so that they can, um, you know, uh, I mean, some people, a lot of people have hundred dollar bills in their in their uh, safety deposit boxes. The 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 most the largest number of uh, notes in circulation is one hundred dollars. Um, which uh, I don't know about you, Kevin and Phil, but you uh, never, never see. I haven't. I've never seen them. You know, no. you don't see them, and nobody's got them. But they are out there. Well, and sorry, in people, deposit people boxes.
1: have got them. They just don't circulate them. That's right.
2: That's right. They're in safety deposit boxes. But a lot of people, well, instead of having hundred dollar bills, because they they're worried about the the fall in the value of money, uh, they hold gold instead, and that's been a pretty good idea. And and Ever since uh, the last 10 years or so, people, a lot of people, more people have been going into Bitcoin hmm. as a sort of a digital gold. So, you know, there's a number of reasons gold has gone up. Uh, jewelry demand, uh, demand in India and China, central bank demand, and also just people uh, worried about the declining value of money.
1: Hmm. Um, where are we? Uh, Sam from Springfield. G'day, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hello. Hi, Sam. You're um, on. Yeah, you're on with yeah. Alan.
7: Uh, Alan, maybe you can tell us both parties seem to have the same policy about mistreating pensioners. A single pensioner gets 26 and a, uh, a double pensioner gets a, in the low 40s. Meanwhile, if he works more than one day a week, he's penalized by losing up to 30 cents in tax and 50 cents on his pension. At a time when we need more people working, they're stopping pensioners from filling in all the gaps. and yet. They both don't seem to see no
1: light. It does seem crazy, doesn't it, Sam? It seems crazy to me too. And I, I can't see what the political cost is for a government not to not to relax this. Alan, what's, do you understand this? Why, doesn't, why don't government simply say if you want to earn more as a pensioner, away you go. You'll have to pay tax on it, but earn as much as you like. I mean, knock yourself out.
2: They've just got blinkers on, I think. I mean, this, I, I totally agree. It seems agree. crazy. I mean, it's, 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 it just seems nuts to me. Yeah. No, no, they, should be, they should be tapering the means test in some way so that people... Don't lose so much money when they get a job. Of course, what's the point do, of it? I mean, do, they're, they're, they're eligible
1: for the pension, and if you want to, once you become eligible, if you want to keep earning, you're paying tax anyway. It's not costing the government anything.
2: Well, look, you know, the, the pension means test is it's like this holy writ,
1: hmm.
2: you know, that they have to they have to have in order to save money. Um, you know, and they don't want to tinker with it. Then, you know, they, they, they seem to be terrified to tinker with the pension means test. Um, Which seems, you know, for fear like of you
7: need, you need all the
1: employees they can get,
2: totally. I, I, t- yeah. I couldn't agree more. And they, well, they also, it, but also, in
1: particular, yeah, but, so, sorry, Alan. Go on.
2: No, but I was just that the, the government's not doing anything that would uh spend money in such a way that is not gonna uh get votes. I mean, they're just kind of you know, they're, they're, they're so worried about uh having a deficit that they uh just you know against trying to doing anything that would cost any money
7: also when pensioners work they don't need a new house whereas they bring people in from overseas that's a problem they need a place to stay mm-hmm.
1: good point Thank you, Sam. It's uh, I think I uh, think a lot of listeners are in furious agreement with you, Sam, and certainly.
2: What, what a bunch of what a bunch of smart listeners you've got, Phil. Oh yeah, no,
1: exactly. That's right. Near. The Nightlife family could run the country no, no trouble. <laughs> um, Alan, thanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Um, Mark from Warhope on the Mid North Coast. G'day, Mark of that's G'day. of New South Wales. Hi, Mark.
8: Hi there, Phil. Hi, Alan. Uh, firstly, just in terms of um, uh, getting cash. Um, Certainly in regional area of New South Wales where I live, um, it's it's certainly the, uh, more important because of the potential problems with um, electronic transactions. I can go into my financial in, um, in bank uh, institution and withdraw $100 bills. Um, they're accessible. It's not as if I have to order them or anything like that. Um, but getting back to my question regarding tax reform. Um, I'm using a bit of tongue-in-cheek here, but also from a philosophical perspective, is essentially the major political parties using the textbook of Machiavelli's The Prince, or perhaps the screenplay of uh, Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister?
2: (laughs) A bit of both, I imagine, sure. I mean, uh, Yes Minister was a a very true series, of course, um, as we know, and um, I've recently read The Prince. and. found it very applicable to modern times no doubt about that
8: so with with the realm of tax reform is it is it essentially is it is it a, 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 a um a, i'll use i'm a health professional i'll use the element is it a virus that no one wants to deal with
2: look everyone wants to talk about health reform uh, sorry tax reform health reform tax reform um and wants to appear to be doing it um, but nobody wants to cut uh, t- taxes too much, uh, nor do they want to increase them. Nobody really wants to change taxes much. Um, uh, the last big effort of tax reform we had was Ken Henry's report that was commissioned by Kevin Rudd. Um, and he, you know, he had a very, fan- you know, very, uh, how can I put it, a, a-, a beautifully consistent, structured, um, set of proposals for reforming the tax system and the politicians ran a mile from it um, mm. because the centrepiece of it was a land tax and, um, you know, nobody nobody wants to tax the family home because they think they'll get voted out. Mm. I mean, in my view, the main tax reform that we should do in this country is tax the family home.
1: Mm.
2: Um that's my, my view. Uh,
1: Jack from Mildura uh, on a similar vein. Good Jack.
8: Oh, hello,
9: gentlemen. Good evening. Yes, I uh, want to get on the subject of negative gearing. Now, the Labor government uh, in the past has been against it. They seem to be for it now, but the Greens are raising their heads and not wanting to support it. Whereas negative gearing is the greatest asset the government can ever have. And I'll cut that? out. Well, I'll cut out a lot of the calculations, keep it short. But you get a couple who uh, they got the kids off their hands. They go and uh, put a deposit on a property. I talk country here. I don't understand the uh, figures for the city. Um, they buy a two-bedroom unit. It's negative geared at about four thousand. That means the government misses out on about fifteen hundred dollars worth of tax. Now, whenever they can, they keep on repeating this. Twenty-five years down the line they put together through frugal savings and maybe an inheritance about twenty, about uh, uh, 10 to 11 properties. Now they come to pension age, they don't apply for the pension because they've got too many assets and probably got too much income. So that over the next 25 years of pension age, they save the government $600,000 plus in money and yet people out there want to vote against negative gearing and i just don't understand it
2: okay well the problem the problem is that um the problem is that negative gearing uh provides a subsidy a tax subsidy for people to buy existing properties and to drive up the price so it's it's one of the reasons not the only one but it's one of the reasons that housing has become unaffordable uh in this country so you know Um, I think the Labor Party's policy in 2016 and 2019, which was to allow negative gearing only on new houses, was the right way to go. I mean, fair enough, have negative gearing, that is to say deduct losses from your investment in property against your other income, uh, but only on a new house so that it actually encourages extra housing and doesn't drive up the prices of existing houses.
9: To go around, though, Alan, they can't even build the houses for um, the people who want them, let alone those that want to invest in them. And, well, uh, that's another
2: matter, I and mean, that that that's <laughs> another matter. I and mean, what we need is to have a a, a better a, a construction industry that has more capacity. Obviously, we need oh, to build more houses. Oh,
9: absolutely, house. absolutely, yes. We we're stuck with tradespeople. We're stuck with uh, supply of uh, uh, resources to do it. But you know, the negative gearing part. I just can't understand anybody who would not see it as the greatest asset the government has ever had. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right, Jack, thank you. Uh, We're talking with uh, Alan Kohler. Let's welcome listeners from South Australia and the northern territory to the the program. Different opinions made the world.
0: ABC Radio.
1: You're listening to Nightlife.
0: Nightlife with Philip Clark.
1: And we're talking to Alan Cole, the ABC's finance commentator, and he's taking questions too. Love to talk with you. One three hundred eight hundred triple two. Welcome to everyone from South Australia and the Northern Territory live to the program. Uh, yes, Alan. Um, <laughs> I mean uh, Jack's argument about uh, negative gearing uh, also skips over the fact that people who, are, who do it, of course, are hoping are hoping for one thing, and that is capital appreciation. So it, it you know clearly drives up the, pro- the price of properties, doesn't it?
2: Well, yeah, it does. Mm, I mean, mm. it distorts the market. It it provides a sub a, a, a subsidy for you know mm. for, for buying a, a property that you know. I mean, really, what should happen is that you, if you make a loss um, on, on your investment property, it should be deductible against profits from your investment properties. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you when you make a profit in future, you, you've got a tax loss sitting there to deduct against the profits on that. Property. Yep. The problem, the, the 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 distortion occurs because you can deduct it against your salary.
3: Hmm.
1: John from Southport in Queensland. Good day, John.
10: Oh, g'day,
2: good day,
1: Phil. How are you going? Not bad.
10: That's just dull. Um, Just a good question for Alan. Um, just with respect to climate change, um, the major parties are polar opposites on the nuclear option, which has been on the news recently. And there was a poll done recently where it may be that the Australian public is willing to have a look at it. In the way that the conservatives have suggested. Now to t- try and take the politics out of it, Alan. Um, what What are the facts? Because we get totally different facts from both uh, both leaders of the government and the opposition. Um, and Chris Bowen is very, very anti. He's keen on on the um, the solar paneling and the um, and the wind farms, which is fine um, if you're not a farmer, I suppose. But what 's your opinion and what what are the taking the politics out of it What, what are the real costs and what's your feeling on uh, on nuclear energy as a as an option and I you know if you can try and take the politics out of it i mean is it mm. is it feasible and and the costs if you know of them and what 's happening overseas are the, are the facts quoted by chris Bowen Alan? on the weekend correct or
2: Alan, yeah, that? yeah. yeah that's correct uh, nuclear power is uneconomic, economic, but that doesn 't mean we should have a ban. I mean, the the ban on nuclear energy in Australia was introduced in 1998 by the Howard government uh, when they were trying to build the Lucas Heights uh, research facility, which is a nuclear a nuclear research facility, and they're trying to be, get a bill through the parliament. And the Labor Party opposed it. The Greens said that they would agree to it if you if the Howard government agreed to a ban on um, proper nuclear our stations as opposed to that Lucas Heights, um, research mm. facility. And so Howard agreed cause he wanted to get Lucas Heights up. And so the, the so the, John Howard introduced the ban uh, on nuclear energy in Australia. And we've just, we've had it ever since. I mean, there's been constant argument about it and it's a complete distraction, the whole thing. I mean, it's an absolutely ridiculous ban. We should not have it. I mean, the government shouldn't be banning anything like that. I mean, the it, 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 they should just and the Greens obviously you know were in favour of a ban of it because um, you know that's what they do. But um, there's no reason to ban nuclear power. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with nuclear power. It's just it just a, happens to be it, it just happens to be uneconomic. And so no one's yeah, no I, one's,
10: I, I hear you. But, uh, I, I just think it's unfair that you know uh, they're now carving up the the landscape for solar panels and uh, some of these wind farms. And they've got a very limited you know, they've got a ten year lifespan, what are they gonna do with all the stuff when it's uh, when its lifespan's over? Um and you know, the, the economics of nuclear, it's it's very expensive, but when it's when it's up and running and if they use these smaller nodule ones, which apparently are less
1: which, um yeah, but less
10: invasive or which, less do, rich-
1: which don't exist, John. They don't exist.
10: Well, but the, but hang on, are we are we not prepared to talk about it? And they are.
1: No, we are let's talking about it,
2: John. We are let's talking talk about it, it till the cows come <laughs> home. But the thing is, yeah, and small nuclear, small modular reactors uh, are being talked about, and, and they're theoretically feasible. Um, the the one the company in the US called Newscale that's um, uh, that's been working on it uh, abandoned its project because it didn't add up; the costs are too right. high. Um, uh-huh. And look, I mean, the thing is. That, uh, that no one will if there wasn't a ban
1: no one would build nuclear energy that's a that's a point isn't it that that the government's not going to build them and no private well, the point. no private I mean, no private company's going to build them because the, the electricity they could sell out of them uh, it would be more the, expensive than anything else the, the
2: only argument for nuclear power it seems to me is that we we're not going to get a, get to 100% renewables you know the the government's uh, the government's policy is for 82% renewables, right? Um, and the way we're going, we're probably going to overshoot that. So it's probably going to be 90% eventually, 90% renewables, but it won't be 100 And so the question is, what's going to be the other 10%? Because if we, we're going to go to zero emissions, the other 10% can't be gas or coal. So it's got to be something else. Um, and... Maybe, maybe hydrogen, maybe hydrogen. Well, that's even less viable than nuclear at this point. I mean... So so my view is the other 10% ought to be nuclear of course i mean the trouble with that is that the government would probably have to subsidize it um mm. and i don't know about you but i'm i'm not that happy about my taxes going into <laughs> an un, yeah. an unprofitable unviable nuclear power station but anyway
10: yeah i i just think it's a shame that you know uh the the solar panels that are going willy nearly out into the rural areas and in these wind farms, uh, and upsetting the the rural uh, people out there, and also the power lines that are going through. It's just a, a pity that there's not some other alternative that can avoid all that. It's just a, and for the sake of what have we got? One and a half or two percent of world emissions, and you know if we get a volcano in in Indonesia. I mean, this might sound a bit ridiculous, but it happened a while back. And they suggested that if we got that same cloud come over Australia from a volcano in somewhere like Indonesia, that could effectively wipe out most of the uh, mm. uh, a lot of the reductions in, in emissions that, um, that that we've been spending a lot of money and upsetting a lot of people. You know, mm. we're upsetting a lot of people doing uh, for, for not a, not a great result. In mm. so I don't
1: know. Okay, well, John. Thank you. Uh, yeah.
2: Mm. I mean. Either you think there's a problem with climate change or you don't. I mean, if you think there's a problem, there's no choice. We have to have solar panels
1: and wind farms. Because... A, couple of, a couple of people texting in saying, isn't there a difference between the coalition and the government on climate change? Not really, is there? I mean, there, well, there, there's a difference, the, the difference in rhetoric. The difference in rhetoric, that's true. The
2: difference is that the, the opposition is in favour of nuclear power. That's the difference. And uh, I'm saying that's no difference at all because no one's going no to build it, including the, including hmm. the opposition.
1: No. No, government won't build a nuclear power station and, and private enterprises you wouldn't think would build one because why would they with the power they had to sell out of it was more expensive than anybody else could produce. So there That's wouldn't right. be a so market that, so, for it.
2: So no one's gonna build it. Um but it's just it's mm. just the
1: uh, it's just the movie set of a um of a <laughs> difference. <laughs> John from Merionvale. Good day, John.
4: Hello, Bill, how are you? I'm well. Uh, Phil um, just a couple of things please I was talking um, with the housing thing surely it's supply and demand I mean we're just not building enough housing I had the gentleman there uh, who was speaking earlier on said his son-in-law bought a medium house blah 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 but at the end of the day if we're not building the properties for instance you won't believe this myself and my wife are retiring at the end of this year right we're 75 and we have a five-bedroom house now they We've had estate agents come to us and ask if they could buy the house at 890000 We paid 400 for it about 12 years ago. Now, I've said to them, no, no, we're not going until next January February. Oh, no, 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 we will sell it for you and the people are quite happy to wait until you move out next January. And the other thing I was going to mention to you, Phil, was this carbon footprint that we're so concerned and patting ourselves on the back for. I like I think we spoke with farmer road train driver and I do a fair amount of work for Queensland Rail right moving the old rail into the scrap yards and that sort of stuff and there would be when I'm out there by the side of the tracks like we're loading old rail and so forth there would be probably one an hour trains coming in from uh, from the coal mines into the port of Brisbane and they're carrying sort of 8000 tons of coal so why are we patting ourselves on the back because we're doing so good with our carbon uh, footprints, and yet we're, we're sending all this coal to China so that they can <laughs> have a terrible carbon? And I think to myself, like, well, why are we patting ourselves on the back? <laughs> like, it, it, to me, it just seems strange. There
1: you know? no, certainly yeah, were at cross-purposes here. Are we, Alan, or, or Indian, without the coal? No, well, he's right, of course. You know. I mean, he's right, yeah. He's, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Yeah, John, I think we agree, John. <laughs> There's cross purposes here. Absolutely. One, three. I mean, you know, I mean,
2: what we what we're not doing was we're not we're not counting out the emissions of others uh, right. that we're responsible for um, for the coal and gas that we're shipping offshore.
1: Right. Yeah,
2: we we don't count that.
1: That's right. Hmm. Mitch from Brisbane. G'day, Mitch. Hey, how you going? Pretty good.
5: Hey, listen, a uh, couple of two. About two and uh, was it two years ago when the interest rates started rising? And I fixed myself in at two percent, so I'm laughing for another six odd months. But the whole idea of raising these interest rates is obviously to cut spending, but it hasn't affected me one little bit. Um, I do, it seems to have only affected the poor, the, the renters out there. But uh, it, it it blows my mind that it's you know for certain people it's not doing the actual the proper thing like. I know no one wants to ever talk about it, but you've got a thing there called the GST. Like why is, you know, like what what are they, say fix the interest rates at 1%, like a federal interest rate, 1%, um, and then have a local interest rate, I suppose, to to do inflation for the area so properties don't go stupid. But then, yeah, obviously have a monthly increase or drop in GST and that would, you know, be something that everyone would be affected directly straight away instead of. some people waiting three years for the to have to, you know, cut the costs and for you know renters have to for hmm. the brunt straight away. I, I don't understand. <laughs>
2: The nightlife family should be running the country, Phil. They know about it. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason they don't, the reason they don't move the GST up and down is because uh, they'd get blamed for it. And the good thing about interest <laughs> rates is that the Reserve Bank does it, and they're independent. So whenever the interest rate goes up, Jim Chalmers, the treasurer, can come out and say the Reserve Bank is independent; it's got nothing to do with me. But if he put the GST up, it would have everything to do with him, and he's not going to do
3: it.
5: <laughs> but if you dangled the carrot and say, "Right, we're going to fix it at one and say we're going to touch the DST, I'm sure,ly at the moment, no, people no. would be would take it on the chin because. No, no, and, they, they, they,
2: the politicians love having an independent Reserve Bank whacking everyone with interest rates, and so they can wash their hands of it, like Pontius Pilate.
5: Hmm.
2: And we'll yeah.
1: Reserve Bank. I'm with you a bit, DST. though, Mitch. I'm with you a bit, with Mitch. And I think I'm. I wonder where the others are. That if the government did. Come to the people with a wholehearted response to some of these issues. You know the inequity in housing, for example. Uh, the you know the 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 cost of living pressures that people have, the inequities in the tax system, and came with a wholehearted response to it. I wonder whether people would be so negative. You don't think that you don't think they would be, do you?
5: Oh, like for me, it's it's if you if you want to tackle inflation, you you you. you... You, you you play with the g s t you know reserve mm. board meets they adjust it each month for whatever inflation is and and your yeah, house interest rates are fixed on you know property value and and making sure that we don't have triple or you know thirty percent increases in property prices every you know twelve months
2: so
5: i think they're both they're they're tackling the wrong issues. Like, you get- oh, I,
2: I, I like that idea of giving the GST to the Reserve Bank. I think that um, that's got a lot of legs. I like that. Mm. And then um, get the Reserve Bank to move GST. Oh, and you mean you mean
1: space. they would have policy control over it, so they could set the say so they could set the rate.
2: Yes. <laughs> and they have their meeting. They come out and they come out at two thirty on on a Tuesday, uh, first Tuesday of the month, and say. We're going to try, we're going to lift the interest rate by half percent or quarter percent, and we're going to put up the GST by two percent.
5: No, cool. don't touch the interest rates. Just leave them. Oh, up I see. A, leave it. Oh,
1: Just leave them, them and just, out, and just right, adjust the bit of GST.
5: Just adjust it, and and I, you could do a, like a council sort of interest rise or something <laughs> like. Like <laughs> I have a separate one for particular areas that you want to. It's
1: not as stupid as it sounds,
2: is it, Alan? No, that's no, not that stupid. I think they could they could also adjust uh, rates. That's the other hmm. that, that's the other tax that everyone has to pay is their rates, um, hmm. and uh, the government could take that over and just uh, move that up and down. That'd be that'd <laughs>
1: be a Do it, your Mitch. A couple of good ideas coming through tonight. Why do you, Alan? I mean, you and I discussed this. I'm, I'm sure some weeks ago when you uh, when we were talking about your quarterly essay. On housing, but if there's so much money to be made in housing, why is the supply of housing not not booming? It's not. I mean, if there's money to be made in building a house, why aren't people doing it? Why aren't people building houses? I mean, builders building houses, flogging them for massive profits. <laughs> well, because um, firstly, building a
2: house is a terrible business. Um, you, you do it. You, you've got to, builders have to come out with their fixed price. Uh, and you know it takes whatever it takes. Twelve months, and in the meantime, all their costs have gone up, and they go broke all the time. I mean, I've just done a renovation, and uh, I've uh, I've said to the builder, "Listen, I don't want a fixed price. I'm going to give you cost plus. So you just tell me everything you spend, and you put your margin on top. And it's fantastic. It's great. The builder's having a lovely time. He's a wonderful builder. He's and and we have a great relationship, and he's not going broke. Hmm. Fixed price so, so firstly the building the, the building industry is uh, terrible so they're all either going broke or getting out um, the number of builders is in decline there's not enough capacity in the industry um, uh, uh, and um, there's it's once you have a builder a developer um, to try to get it approved by the council is a nightmare. I mean uh, some councils are great. Where you can get things, you can get developments approved pretty quickly, but other councils are, you know, are terrible, and so there's no real um, consistency between, uh, you know, getting uh, councils getting developments approved. Um, so there are two things that are, that are the problem. Um, you know, just getting getting them built is it's not that good a business, really. Hmm. I mean, prices are going up, but but so are costs, and costs are going up in some ways uh, faster than prices.
1: Mm. Peter in Mount Kola. G'day, Peter. Oh, Phil, yes, how are you?
7: G'day, no, I'm well. Thank you. And Alan there, um, I just want to mention, um, I can you, are you in front of a screen with Google that you can search?
1: Uh, Big button? We could be.
7: I'm,
2: am I in front uh, of, yes. Yeah. yeah,
7: Alan's got Can you type in, you type in Enviro Mission? E-N-V-I-R-O, M I W S I O N. It's a, a company that.
2: And Envi- uh, Mission, okay.
7: Yes. what, what yeah. what's, what's the where are you going, with this Peter? Click on images. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's uh, a, a, they make solar towers, solar. Uh, oh yeah. Solar towers, yeah,
2: I know. I know they, about I know about Enviro Mission. Yep.
7: Oh right. Well, um, <clears> that the government was going to help them build one out here, and about probably ten years ago they had to move to Arizona, and they're building one there. And mine was built in the 1980s in Spain. It worked fantastic. But the, 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 uh, the um, funnel was made very cheaply, so it collapsed. So it wasn't. the idea worked. It proved it works. And all it runs off is sun. No, no water, no wind, no solar cells. Pure sun heats up the cells. Aboard, uh, the air in and the, and the cells there it goes up the funnel, drives the turbine, and you've got electricity. Now, the government always, with all these talks about solar energy and, and um, solar cells, blah, blah, they never mention solar uh, towers, because they 're a bit um uh, high, high cost for low output that 's what it is hmm. uh, it 's not as good as uh, nuclear, but we don 't want nuclear either we, uh, we don 't want to waste our money on solar cells because they 've got to be replaced in, in thirty years've uh, oh,
2: an've so, an i 've got an idea someone 's developing something like this uh, the other side, uh, near mildura and i don 't know whether it 's enviro mission. it might be, but it uh, might be someone else. To do something like this, this uh, solar tower, and there's a few, there's a few different um, uh, technologies like this, as I understand it. There's one that has uh, a whole lot of mirrors on top of a, um, uh, on top of a tower and superheats water. I think anyway. Hmm. There's, there's a whole lot of different ideas. Yeah, there are. About, there about are a lot of ideas. Yeah, solar technology to to produce electricity. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Uh, Nick from Bondi. G'day, Nick. Yes. Hello hello, How are you I'm thanks well, Alan's ones. on the line. Yes, where you go
0: thanks, Bill. thanks, Alan. Tell me I- I've been an agent in Potts Point
1: in Sydney for the last thirty five years, and the what's the cheapest house when you've I... ever sold, Nick eight and eight and a half million dollars? Oh no,
0: no, no. I remember when I had studio apartments for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and I couldn't sell them you know, <laughs> terraces for $600,000 ourselves...
1: Everyone else in the rest of the country, just <laughs> Potts Point in Sydney, is about the most expensive piece of real estate in the whole land, I would think. But anyway, go on. Well,
0: well, look, you know, traditionally it was an investment area. Yeah. And I do recall years ago, the banks. Now, I come back to the banks because that's where it all leads to. You know, where you needed a 35% deposit I wanted to ask Alan, what does he think where if banks bought in a minimum 35% deposit required for an investment property, what would that do to the market?
2: Uh, everyone would be renters. No one would right. be able to buy a house. No one would buy a house because nobody can save up uh, for the sort of deposit.
1: No, he's talking about 35% deposit for investors. Oh, for yeah, investors. Only, for... Oh, I, only investors. Yeah, oh, I see. Only
0: investors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because well, in my well, then... eyes, yeah, it on. would always mean that, you know, to reduce the whole state of the market, you know, not many people can come up with 35%. So to meet the market, they're going to have to drop the price. Now, I remember when we used to get 8%, 10% return on investments in Sydney. Now you're lucky if you get 1% or 2%.
1: You mean mean rental yield? You mean your rental yield?
0: Rental yield, yes,
1: rental yield. You'd be getting more than 1% or 2% at the moment, wouldn't you, Nick? No, probably not. Oh,
0: no, not on the prices of people.
1: Oh, okay, that's true, yeah. No, 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 that's right, 2%. 2%, Could you do that, Alan? Could you have a differential rule that investment properties are going to cost you more to get a loan than uh, residential properties?
2: I can't. I suppose you can do anything, but uh, I'm having trouble seeing why that would help anything i mean you would end up with a shortage of uh, rental properties wouldn't you um sorry i no, you, you wouldn't end you, you wouldn't end up you'd end up with a shortage of rental properties surely i mean um, need, you need to you need to have some rental properties so that people can rent
0: well look it seems to be the that that's the issue we have now because people what? are borrowing ninety percent on an investment property or or even on their home. Many people owe 90% on their home.
2: Yeah, I know. That's right.
0: The other thing I was going to say, my daughter who lives in Belgium, she's just bought an apartment in Belgium. 30 years fixed interest rate,
8: 4%.
0: It's fixed for 30 years. Why yep. do not? Why do we worry about not having fixed rates for the term of the lease? The term yeah, of the I
1: life. know they do it in Europe. They do it in America. I think uh, Alan, you and I've discussed this before, but go on quickly uh, briefly about why.
2: Oh well, you know, I, I, I I actually do not know why Australia has not done that. I mean, other countries have done it, um, and what's required is for the government to stand to to provide some sort of guarantee for the banks. Um, to provide them with liquidity, which is what they do in the United States. Oh, I'm not quite sure how Belgium works, but I presume it's something similar. Um, it doesn't cost the government a lot of money. They just need to um, have a, a government body that takes the mortgages off the bank's hands and, and recycles them. But, we need um, our own
1: Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, do we? That, that's right. And, and why hasn't the Labor Party done that in Australia?
2: I mean, I, I just do not understand why that has never been done um so we 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 don't have 30 year fixed rate mortgages in this country and we should absolutely baffles me
1: mm. thanks nick yes all right um we were going to discuss all sorts of things including social responsibility and Wage increase—that's fueling fierce inflation. We've got into such great discussions with our listeners. Still. But this is this is the thing you see when you just engage the nightlife family on these <laughs> issues. There's a lot of wisdom out there, and a lot of fair questions being asked as well. Which gets back to our point we made right at the beginning of this conversation, Alan, isn't it? That these are the things a lot of people are very engaged with, and quite frankly, they're not getting any answers from government or the opposition, or from politics in general. So no wonder people are disengaged. That uh, seems to me to be the case. Alan, it's been terrific to have your time. As always, look forward to getting you back uh, in a few weeks' time. Thanks, Philip. Good on you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Alan Kohler, ABC Finance commentator, founder of the Eureka Report, and he'll be back uh, to answer and take questions uh, in a few weeks' time.